0: Welcome back to Catch Up
1: With Chuck. This is a periodic broadcast we do from the Rural Futures Institute at the University of Nebraska. Sorry we missed last week. Had a blizzard going on around here and so we had to check out, but we're, but we're back live. I'm Chuck Schroeder, I'm Executive Director of the Rural Futures Institute. And you know at RFI, we believe that leaders are known not so much by their title, but by their vision, their ideas, their energy, their passion, and their engagement in collective action. Joining me today is a friend, a genuine leader, who demonstrates those qualities in spades. Uh, She works on behalf of Native peoples and Native American communities in Nebraska and beyond. Uh, Judy Gashkabash is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Commission on Indian Affairs, and she's someone who has really invested generously of her life and her talents and her career to solve problems and win respect for native people and cultures uh, in a lot of places. So Judy, welcome. We're delighted to have you today.
0: Thank you, Chuck. It's an honor to be here.
1: Well, listen, we want to get a picture of Indian country and Nebraska and the Great Plains, but you have such an interesting story yourself. I want you to tell our viewers a little bit about your background, your education, and what, you got, what got you into these leadership roles.
0: Okay, thank you, Chuck. It's a journey, as all of us have journeys in life, and so I will just tell you that I am a member of the Ponca Tribe of Nebraska, and I descend from Chief Maker, and my grandfather was the last chief of the second rank of the Ponca Tribe prior to our termination. He was born in 1878, and my mother went to the Genoa Indian School, a school, one of those military schools that was a um, The purpose was to kill the Indian and save the man, and uh, then she went back to the reservation up along the Niobrara, where Standing Bear was, uh, grew up, and uh, she was on the tribal council. So I descend from uh, a legacy of leaders, from my mother to my grandfather to great-great-grandfathers. On my Santee side, my grandmother came down, she was born in 1890, and she came down from Morton, Minnesota to the Santee Reservation. So then going forward, uh, my mother left the reservation and moved to Norfolk, Nebraska. So I grew up first generation off reservation. I'm an urban Indian. And I went to school in Norfolk, Nebraska, and then I eventually received my bachelor's and master's from Doan University in Lincoln as a non-traditional student and single mother. And I now am a trustee at Doan University. So that's kind of my journey uh, from you know, the Genoa Indian School to up to today, and I have two daughters who both graduated from the University of Nebraska. (laughs) One is a teacher, and the other one then went on to law school in New York, Columbia Law School, and she practices international law at Aiken Gump, and Indian policy is her field, and water law is her specialty. So, it's really... uh, the arc from the Genoa Indian School to kill the Indian and then ironically my daughter is advocating on behalf of Indians and my life work for the past 22 years has been to serve our Native people in the whole state of Nebraska. So I just really am blessed and honored and feel that it's sort of natural that I came from those leaders and of my 10 brothers and sisters that I'm the one that's now kind of providing a voice for our people. Sure.
1: And what a legacy you're leaving as well uh, through your family, Judy. And So you have been with the commission for those 22 years?
0: Since 1995.
1: Okay. Prior I've to
0: that I worked for the Ponca tribe as our first uh, NAGPRA person that dealt with the return of human remains. Our tribe was restored in 1990 right. and uh, that's the same year that the federal law was enacted and the state of Nebraska was the first state to have human remains protections.
1: Well, that that's a proud story uh, that you've had a, a big part in. Well, listen, you represent an important segment of Nebraska's culture, our economy, and our history. Um, Native people and communities are not homogeneous. <laughs> they, they have differences they have complex and differing histories and some of what you've just described as well as uh... varying contemporary challenges and opportunities and simply ways of viewing the world give us a picture of indian country in nebraska a little bit
0: well i think a lot of nebraskans don't realize that indian people are in their communities and they really have no clue Uh, more indian people live off reservation than on reservation and uh... so like myself Urban Indians. We have three land-based reservations in our state where the offices are headquartered. So headquartered tribes, uh, the Santee Sioux have a reservation, the Omaha and the Winnebago. The Winnebago were forcibly brought to Nebraska as the Santee Sioux were. Uh, the Ponca tribe, you know, the story of standing bear, we were forcibly removed but luckily were able to come back home but then were terminated in 62. So uh, we went from four reservations to three and many Nebraskans don't know that. Uh, the picture, numbers-wise, we don't, you know, we're small in numbers, and so when you see these um, different maps and statistical stories on the news, it's usually diversity is not Indian people. It is African Americans, Asians, and Hispanics. We are not even, you know, on the radar screen. Yet we're the first people, so right. that's, that's unfortunate. But we really feel like uh, today in, in Nebraska, Good things are happening, uh, maybe not as fast as all would like, but we've made progress from when I started in 1995 to until today. Uh, the footprint has grown. We have changed some of the negative stereotypes. We have so many of our young people that are going to the university and other colleges and graduating in all fields. So we are very proud of our young people and the legacy and it, it, it's great.
1: Well, listen. Uh, thinking of uh, success stories, one of the most dramatic success stories uh, with Native Americans in Nebraska would be Ho Chunk Inc., uh, owned by the Winnebago Tribe. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, Lance Morgan is, is a well-known figure around the state who's who's really uh, not only driven that entrepreneurial venture but uh, has has been a, a spokesperson for that work. So. Talk a little bit about what's gone on there and what that might mean for uh, other elements of the Native community in Nebraska.
0: Okay, Lance Morgan is really a great Nebraskan, a hero for all of us, and he went to the University of Nebraska and then to Harvard. He's an mm-hmm. attorney. We're very proud of Lance, and he's just a great spokesperson throughout Indian country, throughout the whole United States of America. He has received many awards from Harvard. What they've done in that rural community up on Highway 77 is something that our state should be very proud of, but oftentimes isn't really you know, touted as much as I think it should be. But, you know, you think they have a tribal college, they have a hospital, they have a roundabout. How many rural towns in Nebraska <laughs> have right. a roundabout? Uh, they have done so many great things through Lance's leadership. And they have internal stability where the governance has been allowed to guarantee the success and that's often in Indian country many times uh, internal challenges sabotage the project. So I think Lance has lent support to other tribes in Nebraska and they look to him he partners with them and provides a lot of leadership abilities. Uh, The Ho-Chunk Nation has received a lot of assistance too from the Shakopee Midewakanton Sioux, another tribe in Minneapolis who have been very successful Um, my Santee relatives. So I think that Lance will continue to do great things and how they did that was through Indian gaming dollars. Our state doesn't have gaming but uh, their lands extend into Iowa and Iowa does allow for gaming. So in the beginning it was exclusive Indian gaming. Then uh, the Las Vegas people came in and we have those casinos but the Winnebago tribe was very uh, forward-thinking, they invested through Lance and Ho-Chunk, they diversified their economy. That has put them in a position to be able to continue to grow, and they have contracts all over the United States, you know, federal contracts. They don't just rely on jobs there. The money comes back. You want new dollars to come into communities. You can't just make money off of the people there. So with tribes and the tax structures as it is, that's a challenge. So, sure. yes, Lance is super, super great and we think that he's done a magnificent job that other rural communities in Nebraska could look to. I also think the Santee Sioux Nation, that's another example of uh, a community that's kind of off the beaten path that have done good things.
1: My 12 years in Oklahoma uh, included a, a good bit of work with the Chickasaw Nation and, and others that uh, makes me think every time I look at Ho-Chunk, Inc., two things, number one. Uh, while there was strong leadership, there was also an effort to develop other leaders within the group that are coming along, taking responsibility for, uh, number two, the diversity that they're starting to create in their economic model. So it isn't just gaming uh, that, that would be relied upon, but actually building out. It. And then consequently, the community is strengthened with healthcare, with education. Those things that really do, we know, uh, spell long-term viability and, and a thriving capacity for a rural community. So I think it's been a great story. Well, listen, uh, so that's one of the most dramatic stories in Nebraska, but there are, are other communities where uh, native leaders have said, you know, we're not okay with where we are. We think we know where we want to go. We want to do some things together to enhance education opportunities, economic development opportunities, building upon our cultural values, but moving toward a stronger community. Talk about some of those uh, efforts that are maybe a little less well-known, less spotlighted uh, than Ho-Chunk.
0: Okay, I'd go back to the Santee Sioux Nation, because they are way up in northeastern Nebraska and you have to drive 12 miles off the highway to get to the reservation. So that is really um, an isolated community. But they have a tribal college, which is part of the Omaha Nation Tribal College, Nebraska Indian Community College. And so the Santee were able to most recently develop a golf course. It is a beautiful golf course that is. Uh, designed like some of the greatest golf courses in the whole United States. And what's unique about that is they've been able to take their cultural uh, values and infuse them into the various holes. I'm not a golfer myself, but the summer we went up there and we had a tour, rode around on the golf course, and the sand traps, is that what you call them? Yes, yes. Uh, They're shaped (laughs) like a barefoot claw, Uh, they have a fox, different symbols uh, that are culturally special to the Santee Sioux Dakota Nation. They also have at each hole when you're there uh, standing around visiting with your colleagues you can read these kiosks that tell about what the significance of that particular sand trap is and you learn more about the tribe's culture. So I think that's a really awesome way of bringing your culture into also activities that help you to be strong warrior people through good health. So they want their young people. Golf is something that native people can do. We also can go to college. We can do all the things that other people do, and there's nothing wrong with tribal people being successful. And we, so I'm so proud of my Santee relatives that through the leadership of Chairman Roger Trudell, who's been there a long time, through gaming dollars, they have a Class Two casino because they're in Nebraska. They can't have a Class Three casino. They had for a while when I first started under Governor Nelson, a non-compacted Class, um, sort of like a Class Three casino but there I think is an example. Uh, The Ponca tribe has tried to develop without a reservation some tourism through um, the story of Standing Bear, they have an earth lodge over at Niobrara and some new sculpture pieces that they've created and they're doing a lot of innovative things and then if you go down to the southern part of the state the nineteen point five miles of the standing bear trail that the tribe took deed to from Mm -hmm. the Nebraska Trails Foundation that's a good example of a partnership and it's a win-win for the state of Nebraska and it's also helpful to um, all the communities along the way whether that's Beatrice down to Barnston and for the Ponca tribe and that too promotes healthy living riding bicycles golfing so, for our children and uh, going forward, we want our people to be successful in a holistic way. That we can be educated, but that we don't have to give up who we are. Sure. That we can stay, uh, you know, connected to our tribal values of respect for place. We love Nebraska. We love the Cornhuskers, but we also love our Dakota stories and all of the other, the Winnebago, the Ho-Chung, those sure. stories. And so that's what's really great about working at the Indian Commission, that I can be a part of working with the legislature, the governor, to through the 150 celebrations to make sure that those stories were told. On Centennial Mall, we've just redone that, $9 million project, there's a footprint of Native uh, presence on that mall. Right. And wherever possible, that's what I try to do, is to bring the voice of the first people and in a proud, good way that can benefit the whole state.
1: You're always bringing people together, and I have to tell you, one of the reasons I wanted to have Judy on this show is that she's very deeply involved in a project now that really has captured my imagination, and that's the restoration of the Dr. Susan lafleche picotte home and hospital in the rural community of Walt Hill, Nebraska. Some of you, I know, have uh, read UNL professor Joe Starita's book, Warrior of the People, Uh, that tells this fascinating story of Dr. Susan and her life, because she not only was the first Native American medical doctor, but uh, she was just a genuine hero uh, in so many ways. So Judy, I know you're helping to lead that effort for that restoration. I want you to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on there and what some of your dreams are for that great project.
0: Wow, that is uh, something that I'm really enjoying working on, and we have so many great Nebraskans that are joining the team, if you will. Back in the day of Standing Bear, there were all the people in Omaha that helped, uh, you know, the newspaper people, and when we just recently did that trail, we worked with Ross Greathouse and Lynn Leitner. So when I was working with Ross and connecting them to the Ponca Tribe, I said, Ross, when you're done with this, I've got another project. I need you to help me raise money for... Because this is I've, your story. Yes. i visited with the Omaha Tribal... Uh, you know, folks, in Joe's book, the story's out there, but the hospital—it's in such a sad, a sad state of affairs. Dr. Susan built that hospital with $23,000 of money that she earned—no federal funds, state dollars, private donors but it had quite, has deteriorated, so Ross said sure I will. So now we've put together a team of people and we are going tomorrow over to Fremont. That's kind of our location that the tribal members come down from uh, Macy and then people from Omaha. We have a team right now, Gary Bowen from BVH. He's an architect that's giving in-kind. Another colleague at his uh, firm as well. And then uh, David Levy signed on as an attorney to help us uh, pro bono Uh, Let's see, Dr. Bruce Sheffield is a retired pediatrician, he's a part of the team, Uh, Mary Hines from Omaha, and we've got a young uh, native girl out of Omaha um, at UNMC that's joined on. So it's growing, we've raised about $30,000, we need to raise at least a million. So if there's anyone out there that's listening that would like to lend support and our goal is to restore the hospital. To what it looked like back in the 1900s. Dr. Susan, you know, only lived to be 50, but that hospital, she was so ahead of her time, forward thinking, and we want to reestablish it as a museum of sorts to tell the story of Dr. Susan, but other stories as well, bring in uh, visiting you know, maybe have an artist in residence, have art exhibits. I was at Mona yesterday and I was thinking we could partner with Mona and bring things from there. We also want to have a purpose, so we may have some medical outreach there, a clinic perhaps. The the Omaha Tribe has totally uh, bought into this. They're on board. Uh, They have given us support financially. So I think uh, our goal is, in two years, to have raised the money and have that Hospital Restored as a you know place where people can come and the local community of Walt Hill can be proud of and it will be something that tourists coming into Omaha Nebraska can get in their car come over and they can visit that and see The the German people want to know about Indian people, and they can come learn about Dr. Susan, go to the reservations, go up to Ho-Chunk, see that beautiful village that was created, then drive over to Santee, go golf, go over to the Ponca tribe, see some great things over there, you know? And so, through the Dr. Susan Hospital, I think we're going to tell a lot of other stories, and it's really fascinating, and I hope that it's something that we can accomplish in my yet here at the Indian Commission.
1: Well, I think it's a very exciting project. Listen, Judy, we're running out of time, but you are one of those special human beings that we have the opportunity to get to know at the Rural Futures Institute. Your sparkling talents and your intellect would have, you could have been successful anywhere. You could have gone to New York, LA, Hong Kong, and uh, invested yourself. We're awfully glad that you chose to invest yourself here in Nebraska and in this region. Uh, you're you're really a special citizen in this part of the world. We're glad
0: to know you. Anything Thanks, you'd like to add today? Um, no, I just like echo what you say, that this is a beautiful place to live and the older I get, I have four grandchildren now and a fifth to any day. That place is important and I can see why Standing Bear's son wanted to be buried back along the Niobrara and I I'm just really blessed that I get to serve uh, all the tribes and all the Indian people and the, all the citizens of the state and I don't really want to go anywhere else. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good place to live. Nebraska is, is a wonderful place.
1: We're glad you're here. Well listen, we want you to stay in touch with the Rural Futures Institute through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I understand, uh, and uh, as well as our recently revamped website that we think you'll enjoy think you'll enjoy. We'll be back in weeks to come talking to other real people, looking at real places, success stories that demonstrate that thriving rural communities are a legitimate best choice for worthwhile living. Thanks for joining us.